The content in this podcast is meant for mature audiences only, 18 and up, as some of it may be triggering and are difficult to listen to. Continuing Forward releases Rest, Virginia Dixon, from all liability related to any response to the following content. Dear Emily, I'm sitting down to write this letter to you because it's been a year since you went home. So much has happened since then, and I just really needed to put my thoughts down on paper. The past couple of years have been really something else, to say the least. I've learned so much. I want you to know I so appreciate the time we were able to spend together in December and the great conversations God allowed us to have with one another. I'm still in the process of recovering from the head injury and wasn't even sure what my life was going to look like and what was going to happen. God allowed me that time with you before he took you home. I wanted to share a couple of things I've learned since that time. First of all, I've learned that when there is no safe place for a person, chaos and confusion take over. When chaos and confusion are at the center, fear and anger are a result. Home needs to be a safe place. Church should have been a safe place. I've also learned that part of establishing a safe place begins with a dad who understands that his role is critical in that process. A dad who realizes that unresolved conflict leading to fear and anger is heartbreaking. A dad who realizes that a breach of integrity internally creates emotional wall that separates him from his family. Even if most everything he does is to provide for them. And finally, a dad who realizes that his kids don't really care what he does for a living, but that he's there. And there is security in him. A dad who is not focused on matters that the kids don't necessarily care about, but when he is with them, they have his attention. Emily, I've learned that rest is virtually impossible when there is no safe place. Rest and safe place go hand in hand. There must be rest for there to be healing. Healing emotionally, spiritually, and physically cannot happen unless we're able to find rest in a place that is safe from the world. I know that home and church lost their safety for you. For that, I'm so deeply sorry. I understand now that trauma comes in so many different forms. As a result of trauma, it makes it very difficult for people to trust anything. I wish I would have been more aware of the trauma you experienced. I wish I could have been mature enough to learn these things much earlier in life and had been part of God's miracle in your life. I'm thankful for God's grace in allowing me to experience His forgiveness and love and to know you love me even though life had been so difficult. Almost not a day goes by that I don't see vision of your face the last time we saw each other. We said I love you to each other and looked each other in the eye. It was a beautiful moment. I'm so thankful that God gave me that time with you on that Friday before he took you home early Monday morning. It still hurts a lot, and sometimes I don't handle it well. I asked Uncle Mark if it ever stops hurting. He told me no. I still have my moments of waiting to escape it all. Throw back a couple of drinks and think about something else. If only that worked, I'd probably be right back at it. I want you to know just because I didn't do it right doesn't mean I didn't love you with all my heart. You were and always will be my little girl. Here's the bottom line, Emily. If we don't find safety in Jesus and who he is, then we tend to look for it in dangerous places. Places that seem to provide a safe place and rest but fall way short, leaving us broken and wishing for the rest and safe place that is part of God's ultimate design. I wish you could have told me that there was no safe place for you when you were so young. Thank you again for loving me, forever loving you, Dad. Welcome. 
Welcome, everyone, to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and REST, Virginia Dixon. Hi, Hi. Virginia. Hi, Natalie. Thank you. Of course. All right, as I said last week, April is Addiction Awareness Month. So in honor of that, we invited Chris Marshall, a police officer, pastor, and entrepreneur to continue the conversation about addictions, a banquet in the grave. Hi, Chris. Welcome. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm so thankful you're here because you and I have a very long, 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 long history both as family, friends. Very long. Very long. And in a professional mm-hmm. forum as well, we've collaborated on a number of things, and I've had the privilege of working with you and your family and your sweet daughter, Emily. So thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Your background mm-hmm. and your private and professional perspective on this conversation of addictions is unique. And I wanted our listening audience to hear from you because I think you've always had a significant level of integrity with which you approached the subject, regardless of how painful it was. And so I want to personally and publicly thank you for that. Well, thank you. It's been just a journey that certainly I never started out thinking that was ever going to be the case. Turns out life is a little different than what we hope and plan and, and all that. And uh, you It blindsides, <laughs> things blindside us sometimes, very, don't very they? Very much so, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and a lot of times I didn't, you don't even realize it until after the fact that you've mm-hmm. been blindsided. That's right. At, at least that's my experience. I well, let's give context to everyone. Mm. You're a police officer yeah, I, and I, a pastor. I started out as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way I ended up doing police work is I was working up in Grover Beach at a church up there. And the chief of police would come in on Sunday nights because I was doing Sunday nights. And so he got me in the kitchen one day and he said, have you ever thought about being a chaplain? I said, I don't even know what that is. I have a construction <laughs> general contractor, pastor, you know, I don't know the first thing about being a chaplain. He goes, well, you ride with the officers, and if they have something they want to share, you're, you're a sounding board. And if there's a death notification, you go out on those things. And, I, and I'm thinking, okay, I, yeah, I'll give it a try, but it was a little bit intimidating doing that. And mm-hmm. there are some great stories through that process, but throughout, it got to the point where I had to come back down south. At least that's what I was thinking. I was heading back down south here to Orange County. And I walked in his office, and I put my chaplain stuff all on his desk, and I said, I'm going to have to go back south. And he said, well, have you ever thought about being a cop? And I'm looking at him like, hey, I didn't even play cops and robbers as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, no. <laughs> so, uh, But he was convincing, and and at the time I was thinking – this might be an opportunity for me to really make a difference in my community because it's a small, small town. And, um, you know, I'd been working in counseling and ministry and, and a lot of good things from that, but I saw this as being a different level. Yeah. And so I went ahead and went for it. What I didn't know, and I found out later, being a youth pastor up there, um, Emily was eight at the time. Mm. Emily is your daughter. Yes, my oldest daughter. And she was molested by one of the kids in my youth group. Uh. And I I didn't know that yeah. until she wrote me a letter when she was 18. So that was that was a shocking experience. Decades. Yeah. Uh, and and so but the whole process of going to the police academy and and everything that's involved in that you really are dealing with the darker side of life. Yeah. So sure. here, look what was happening at home. I know personally firsthand that you felt an incredible level of devastation, that you missed what was happening inside your very own home while you were saving the world yeah. and supporting frontline officers. Absolutely. And, and 
one of the things that hits me even today is that I miss the opportunity to be healing part of Emily's healing in her life because I was too busy doing other stuff that I missed connecting with her to where she felt like she could, she could tell me something like that. Well, during the complexity of that comes during that season of life, both with raising a family, with being involved in church ministry and being in the front lines with police officers and also pursuing, realizing that your help was needed at a whole different level in that small community, your perspective on many things also became tweaked and you began to use perhaps more alcohol than... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I- so there were a lot of things that were... There was a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety uh, compounding and it blindsided you. Talk about being blindsided by life. Absolutely. You know, I went into police work thinking that's a job. There's plenty of guys that do it. Well, guess what? It's not like any other job. And I didn't realize that till probably 10 years after I left the department, if not more, how much it affects every area of your life. Like mm-hmm. anytime I went out with my family, for whatever reason, I just seemed to find myself in situations where the police work became the focal and the front line of the whole event. And no matter where I went, what I did, there was always a threat to my family. And Interesting. So it never felt like you were off. Never. Wow. Simultaneously, all these things are happening in secret because Emily is experiencing this private torment at home. Yeah. And of course, your wife and whatnot could tell that something was off, but everything became a little bit chaotic, confusion, chaos, and disease, right? Oh, for sure. And, and in all fairness, uh, my wife didn't marry a cop. Mm, that's she, true. She married a pastor. Exactly. Now, all of a sudden, I'm stepping into this other world completely different and so there was no way for her to be able to get into that world and, and actually understand it. Because unless you do it, you can watch all the TV shows you want, but it's way different when you're, when you're actually in the when street. The of it. And <laughs> you don't know if you're going to make a decision tonight to where in a few seconds somebody's not going home. Exactly. And that's constant. Yeah, and simultaneously, again, I bring this, I want to bring this to the forefront of the discussion because there's another battle, there's another emerging conflict happening within your home because your little girl's really being violated and abused. And so there's a lot of, again, confusion and chaos and things that are happening at home. So there isn't really a place of rest for you, for the family, for anything, but you don't really know what's happening. No, but that's exactly correct. Home was was no longer safe. The church wasn't safe. And so there was no place to go. And, and, and I guess... Well, the bottle became a well, safe place. And much That's a lot of police work because there is so much trauma. And, and even if it's not your trauma, you're dealing with somebody else's trauma. Mm. That it becomes very easy to retreat and... And self-medicate. Yeah, to cope, yeah. Yeah, and one of the things they tell you in the academy is the big thing you're going to have to really keep an eye on is that it doesn't become us against the world. And that's kind of what was going on in my family life. Not intentional by any means, but when I would come home from work, I was still dealing with work. And so when I had the kids and and stuff going on at the house and all that, it was real easy for me to pull away because nobody understood what that was like. Exactly. And and you tend to just start to communicate with people that are Mm like-minded. So there's a lot of police camaraderie because of, of that very thought process. Just by virtue of the level of stress and anxiety and confusion and chaos that was compounding in your life, your sweet little girl found many ways to medicate and to cope with things that she couldn't reconcile, which was early childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 
we lost Emily. How many years ago? 2018. 2018. January 1st. I came into the office one day mm-hmm. because you were collaborating here at Tender Hearts and with Rest. Mm-hmm. And I smelled alcohol in your breath, remember? Mm-hmm. And I let it go till the day was over. And I said, what's going on? Yeah. And I know you were trying to kind of minimize it's okay. And I said, no, I think. And you just broke down and started crying and said, I miss her. And I'm looking back on so many things. And I asked you to go home. Mm-hmm. And let's pick this up in a few days. Just go home. Take the rest of the week off. And I want you to write her a letter. And the letter that you wrote was so compelling because I think it's the backdrop of what happens with addictions that we often miss. And as a man that set out to protect his community, both through instruments of promoting faith mm-hmm. and hope and combating the darkness in that facet of life, and also in the most practical ways, combating and dealing with what comes with law enforcement. Physical threat. Physical threat, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You lost yourself, and you lost your family yes. in the midst of that. But you wrote a most compelling letter, and I thought I wanted people to hear it, because I think this is not, this is the voice of a generation mm-hmm. of parents. And I think perhaps they haven't lost their kids yet, or they don't want to lose their kids, or their families are falling apart but they can't quite access what happens when you lose it all. So I want you to read this letter, if you could, please. I'll do the best I can. Hello, Virginia. I want to say thanks for all the help you've provided for myself and my family. I feel like I need to put some things down in writing to help process the journey. Things seem fairly normal growing up, but I guess there are issues that had an effect. I wasn't in a position to understand either way. As I got older, I had a desire to make an impact on people in my surrounding community. As a result, I pursued ministry on a couple different levels, both professionally and as a volunteer. Oddly enough, the experience led me to become a police officer. Looking back on it now, I didn't think that through very well. I have to say my intentions for everything I did, career-wise, were good. I really did want to make a difference. I think one of my biggest mistakes was focusing what I wanted to accomplish professionally and losing sight of my family and integrity as a man. While working as a youth pastor, my daughter was molested by one of the kids in my group. She was eight years old at the time. A big issue was that she wasn't able to tell me, and she carried that burden by herself. Church was no longer a safe place for her. I don't fully understand why she wasn't able to tell me, and I'm not sure if it was shame or that she just didn't want it to affect me. Either way, it created pain that deeply affected her and our family. I was unable to be part of that healing because I was clueless about the situation. I continued on my career path making the transition from pastor to police officer, There are so many experiences I appreciate about police work, but ultimately it created some post-traumatic stress along with some depression. There were times when I would be fighting people off in my dreams. I became very acquainted with people's death and despair. Part of the issue with police work is you tend to deal with the dark side of life because I overestimated my strength and failed to take seriously the effects of this on my own family. I lost sight of who I was as a father and as a husband. I did not realize it was affecting my perception of the world and my family. Things continued to deteriorate in my family life. Now home was no longer a safe place. Time went on and I retreated into my own world as many officers have done. My daughter grew up with fear and chaos, eventually leading to emotional and physical addiction. I ended up losing my moral compass. Nothing seemed to make sense. My wife and I ultimately ended in divorce. I really didn't realize it, but I had 
retreated to a life of self-medication with alcohol. I still had a relationship with my kids, but not what it should have been or could have been. My kids still loved me. In fact, I was my son's best man at his wedding, and he became my best friend. Honestly, my life had become pretty dark. The economy had crashed. I had lost my business. I had already lost almost everything in the divorce. I really didn't have a whole lot of hope, but God wouldn't let me die. I had been arrested for DUI and had been in a couple bar fights. I ended up living at a friend's house in San Diego for about five years. I filed bankruptcy and tried somehow to put my life back together. I wasn't able to change much. I was still self-medicating with alcohol and living without hope. I also knew I would probably get that phone call about my daughter and her addictions one day. I want to thank you for your continued concern. During that time, you would call to see how I was doing. And quite honestly, oftentimes I was in a bar when you would call. I know. (laughs) I could hear it. Yeah. You offered to help me and my daughter recover from life's pain. In 2017, you offered me brainwave optimization. At first, I was reluctant, but then I thought, what's the worst thing that can happen to me? I noticed a significant change directly after the sessions. I was able to look at my life and process things. I realized I had been living my life with despair and making really poor choices. I began to sleep better and process things better. I had no idea that would be one of the most challenging years of my life. The brain optimization was July of 2017. The first week of September, I had a brain injury. I had a triple skull fracture with swelling and hemorrhaging of the brain. I was in intensive care for a couple of days and very confused. I was now left unsure about what was going to happen and what I would be able to do. I was told that it might be a year before I fully recover. I was cleared to go back to work on October 31st, about eight weeks after the injury. I still believe brain optimization had a great deal to do with my recovery. The year wasn't over. In December, God blessed me with the opportunity to spend some great time with my daughter. She was serving a 30-day sentence, and during that time, I got to see her a couple of times a week. We were able to have some great conversations about possibly working together one day to help others recover. We got to say I love you to each other. I still have the vision of the look on her face the last time I saw her. She looked like my little girl with so much love in her eyes. I thank God for the opportunity and the gift. That was Friday. In the very early morning of Monday, January 1st, 2018, I received a phone call from the Orange County Sheriff's Department. They told me my daughter had passed away from an apparent heroin overdose. Even though I knew I might get that phone call, I was shocked and disbelief. In the years prior, I would have pulled away from everything and probably head to the bar. That wasn't the case. I know that God brain optimization and your support allowed me to get through one of the most difficult times of my life. Not that life has been free of pain since, and I have handled it all well. I still find myself wanting to escape. I do seem to have the ability to recognize that desire for what it is now. In spite of it all, I feel hopeful that God can use someone like me. I am thankful that God is a God of second, third, and four chances. He's a God of forgiveness and hope. Thank you, Virginia, for your faithfulness to him and your willingness to help people like me and my daughter find a safe place to rest. Wow. When I sent you home that day, I never expected this. And still today, I think the thing that I find most beautiful and compelling is when you said I lost sight of my family and the integrity that I once had as a man. And I lost sight of how I was as a father and a husband. Things continued to deteriorate in my life. Now home was no longer a safe place. Time went on and I retreated into my own world. But my daughter had fear, chaos, and eventually emotional and physical addictions. And she self-medicated to deal with her pain. And you're acquainted with that. Mm pilgrimage right yes but i think the thing that so pierced my heart was 
I didn't know. I didn't understand. It all blindsided me, and I didn't have the resources to create a place of rest and safety at home. Mm-hmm. And all that you endeavored to do for everyone else, you neglected to do in your own home. And I love how you said it wasn't for lack of good intention. Yes. We just lose ourselves, I think, sometimes. And it didn't just happen to you, Chris. I think it happens to most of us at one time or another in life. But addictions, your addictions were a banquet in the grave. You kept going deeper to the point that it numbed you. Absolutely, yeah. To everything. I thought it was really interesting how you were watching Emily do the same thing. But it wasn't enough to pull you out of it. I want people to be able to pull out of these things before we lose our kids mm. and our husbands and our homes and our businesses, right? And I know you do too. That's why I'm having this honest conversation yeah. with you. Yeah. But even seeing and experiencing the spiral, you couldn't quite stop it. And then watching Emily's spiral, yeah. you couldn't stop it. But after she passed, something happened. Yeah. I think there's a couple of parts to that. Maybe to a certain extent, culturally, alcoholism is far more acceptable than a heroin addict. Yeah, than but, heroin. But they're mm-hmm. the same. I, you know, an addiction, addiction is, is addiction. an addiction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. You can call it what you want to call it, but it's the same. And, and so it disconnects us from ourselves and from each other, right? We, we were talking about that, right, Natalie? Yeah, with Roman, where you're chasing after this substance to escape the external, but then the shame that comes from indulging in that, you know, you're then trying to escape the internal. Yeah. So it really it just traps you. It creates this, this cycle. Yeah, that's right. You know, and you try to do something to relieve some of the the depression and the pain, but all you've really done is create more. Yeah. What was amazing that you identified in this letter. Yeah. I'm in the thick of confusion and chaos and disease in a a number of different venues all the time, right? And not just your own. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) not my own. Actually, by the time I leave, I just need to go into that quiet space. The villa is such a sanctuary for me because I can calibrate. I can regulate there. I can just sit around oak trees and by water and just find a sense of peace as you know but sometimes that's not possible we have small children we have businesses to contend to we have complex relationships and the world is becoming a little more complicated Mm -hmm. i think but technology and i keep bringing this up because i am completely baffled by what is upon us. I know. You talk about alcohol. You talk about heroin. What about Instagram, Facebook? And social those are media. antiquated. Just social media. Yeah. Yes. And pornography. These yes. children addicted to pornography. And so it's baffling. The consequence of this disengagement that happens among our own constituents, right? Our spirit, our soul, our body. And look at you, you were working in the church, for God's sake. And you were a chaplain for the police department. And you became a police officer. (laughs) And still you're blindsided by all this. Completely. While your daughter's hemorrhaging. Yeah. And and that was one of the things I noticed after reading this letter again a couple years later, is that I definitely overestimated my strength. I did mm-hmm. not I did not make a conscious effort to connect with people or or things that 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 provide strength and rest. I didn't do that. I mean, I was I was going on my own cuz I thought I it's a job. I can do this. You didn't even fully understand it. No. Until we started breaking down this rest is a reconstitution approach to healing. I think it's easier to deal with addictions and a number of other things that take us captive. Yeah, and I beat myself up for a long time because I didn't feel like plenty plenty of guys do this for a long time and they and they live their life seemingly fine. So I I was beating myself up, going, "Well, why can't you handle this better?" Mm. Well, mm. you can't because there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Not everybody's designed 
for that. And it takes a lot of stress and pressure when you're on vacation and, and you're, you're in a situation where I was in a parking lot <laughs> going to war with some guy who was grabbing a gal across the parking lot in the middle of Indiana. I didn't wow. belong in Indiana, but this is happening and you got your family in the car. And, and so that you're, you're dealing with all this stuff and, and it takes a toll on you. And I never acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. So really, really poor, poor judgment. And yeah. yeah, and we're not aware of what's happening to us. And I think that's what we try so hard. And nobody knows this better than you yeah. is to bring people into this deep level of awareness. I want to say that my work with Emily was so rewarding on many, many, many levels. But one of the things she said when she became acquainted with the brain state technologies that we use here, she asked me if she could start working with me because she intuitively knew this is what derailed dad. And he just had a brain that was out of balance. And if there was any hope that that brain could see itself and bring itself into balance, that she knew you'd be healed. And it's just beautiful and poetic how providentially you ended up coming after her death, coming alongside of me when we transitioned into a franchise, which was Saracen. Yeah. And that was just transformational. And you saw the transformation in the lives of so many people. So many people. Yeah, it it really was a big part of my healing because all of a sudden I I, I began to see what what other people experience and how they're able to overcome it, Mm -hmm. um, which gave me hope. Yeah, a body that's in a state of confusion, chaos, and disease, and a central nervous system that's running amok will absolutely drown and silence the highest intentions of the soul. No question about it. I see it all the time. So we have an opportunity to bring that into balance. It's amazing. Heroin's tough. Heroin's tough. Addiction is tough. Addiction's Uh, tough. But when she got out of prison, somebody picked her up and brought her a fix and she was clean i want to add at that time and she She, had a lot of hopes and dreams as a matter of fact i told her on the friday that i saw her that if when you get out call me and Mm. and she chose not to do that but it wasn't the best choice but if i had a nickel for every time i've made a bad choice i'd be a wealthy person just because it's just it seems to be at least one of my natures <laughs> to to push the limit and go, I, no, I don't necessarily need to do that. Well, you kind of do. Uh, I'm going to straight up say that. You do have a choice. You can, you can be as strong as you want to be, but you really, you really need to have somebody help you and, and come alongside we, we you. Come alongside each other because this is way bigger than what you're thinking. Well, and I, I find it so interesting because you mentioned earlier how in your, even in your job, you're looking at other police officers and you're going, you know, how in the world am I not as strong as these other people? Like, how in the world are they pulling this off? And it reminded me so much of social media because social media is the same exact way. On the surface, everyone looks like they are doing right. totally fine. There is nothing wrong. They're living the high life, right? Vacation looking cute. The totally. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. Even when they're messy, girls. they look good. Yeah. Yes. But behind the curtain, they're all struggling there's all there's always something else that's going on Mm -hmm. and like same thing you know it's all it's all just a facade people are putting on a face and it's like we have to go under the surface we have to reach out we have to talk we have to communicate if we're really going to get to the bottom of these things exactly but for a man i would say not but nothing yeah and for a man that was a police officer and a pastor yes and a very successful entrepreneur at one time to say and i missed it all because i was i did it all ultimately driven by by good intentions and i missed what was happening in my very own heart yeah Yeah. so sometimes our good intentions can destroy our lives and it's semi-miserable feeling at the end to to sit there and look back on it and go oh my gosh it was there was opportunity after opportunity after opportunity right in front of me 
to help be a miracle in Emily's life. Mm. And, and in your wife's life, too, yeah. I might add, right? And yeah. in the kit and your son. Yeah. And I, it's not that I didn't want to do it. It's just that I was clueless. I, I didn't, didn't see, see it. it. Yeah. No. Chris, I remember when I would talk to you about rest, uh-huh. you would shake your head and you would chuckle and giggle and said, oh, the invitation into a place of rest, yeah. ironically, right? Yeah. Was this historic figure who said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Yeah. And whose life happened to fulfill thousands and thousands of years of prophetic ministry. And it's ironic because in April we all celebrate that message. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy mm-hmm. burden, and I will give you rest for your souls, right? Mm-hmm. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, of course, I didn't start there. That would have been too easy. Forty years ago, I didn't start with that scripture in mind. I know. We all do everything the hard way. It doesn't matter what it is. But I remember you chuckled, and there you you said, God, there it is. It was right there. So it's also addictions are, an addiction is, I should say, a banquet in the grave. But that doesn't have to be the end of the story. Yeah, Because I look at your life now, and I look at what you're doing, and I look at this letter you wrote, and it is the humble, tender, transparent, integritous heart of a father saying, I missed the mark. And Virginia, if we can help one dad not miss the mark, if we can help heal one family, if we can wake up the awareness of one marriage, right? Heal one marriage through my brokenness and Emily's life, then let's do it. And that's why I wanted to invite you here today. Thanks. And at this point, being almost 62 years old, I still struggle mightily because you get dragged back into the past. Oh, yeah. And that was something I had sent you the other day, just a, a text about, I think I made a breakthrough. And and it was that I finally started to realize that I, I have to create new memories because I keep getting dragged back. I have a statue in the backyard uh, from Emily's uh, service, and it says, the heart never says goodbye. Never. I love that. It, Tender hearts in a pride. Never. No. Never. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's time for me to look at age 61 or 62 to whatever it is, if it's two years, three years, four years, five years, what does that look like? Yeah. And how do I bring honor to Emily's life with what I do with the rest of my life? Right. It, instead of, I should have been this, I should have been that. Now now I'm really trying very hard to focus on where do I go from here? Yeah. This is so good. I want to read this to you, and I read it last session, but I can't help it. Oh, shame is a prison as cruel as the grave. Shame is a robber, and he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer, lifting me off from the ground. Love is the power when my freedom song is found. There ain't no grave that's going to hold this body down. And there is no grave that's going to hold this body down. While I hear the trumpet sound, I'm going to rise up right off the ground. There is no grave that's going to hold this body down. Oh, fear, it's a liar with a smooth and velvet tongue. Fear is a tyrant. He's always telling me to run. Oh, love is a resurrection. And love is a trumpet sound. Love is my weapon, and I'm going to take my giants down. There was once a battle, a war between death and life. And there on the tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. And he went on down to hell, and he took back every key. He rose up as a lion, and he set all captives free. Wow. Isn't that amazing? There is no grave that's going to hold this body down. Living or dead, it doesn't matter. And I know how deep Emily's convictions were about the things of God. She just couldn't reconcile the reality and her own shame. Yeah. But it is a beast. Addictions is like a beast dwelling within the heart of man. But that's not the end of the story. 
the thing that that I am constantly reminded of is how how easy it is to fall back into that mentality. Yes, and it's a lie. It, if only, if only it were that simple that I could just have a cocktail and life would be just fine. Oh, this would be great. Be so easy. <laughs> yeah, but. Not once. Almost almost every poor decision I've made, at least in the last 20 years, has been the result of alcohol. Wow. Thank you for saying that. I mean, I don't know how else to put that. I cannot, I cannot find one single patient at the clinic or client that alcohol and drugs has not deeply affected the wounds, affected their lives. And a broken heart and their little sweet broken hearts and shattered souls are direct, the direct effect of drugs or alcohol. And now I would add technology. Mm, yeah. Because pornography yeah. and gaming and social media, Natalie, like you brought up, it is ravaging the soul of our children. Yeah. So I am so thankful to hear you say that. Yeah, and even... The extent of so much knowledge about what's going on in the world that's not right. You get bombarded with negative information that doesn't doesn't really help anything, but actually creates a mindset to where I need to get out of here. <laughs> that and it's packaged and it's packaged to look good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to look harmless and it is destructive. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? There's no grave that will ultimately hold these bodies down. And it does come with holding on to hope and faith and God and that quite still voice that says, I was meant for more than this. I sent you home that day because alcohol, obviously, in the workplace when we're helping is not acceptable. But I remember we had such a sweet, tender conversation. I asked you to take the rest of the week and... And just pour out your heart to your daughter. And you did so in such a beautiful way. And it wasn't just your daughter you poured your heart out to. I think it was God as well. And to yourself. Yeah. I read this letter all the time. Quite honestly, I'm, I'm thankful to be able to revisit it. Because there are so many different ways to go in life. There, there's this journey, this journey, this place, this place. And each has its set of circumstances and trials and tribulations that can easily trigger especially you know if 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 somebody is struggling with some ptsd and some of those things yeah you 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 work through that to a certain extent but there are there are triggers that if you're not paying attention you you can find yourself right back there again and so Hmm. it's kind of nice for me to be able to go through this again uh, because this 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 was coming out of a really dark place. I mean, I, I didn't have a whole lot of hope of anything. No. And so... I know you thought of taking your own life oh multiple yeah. times. Oh, yeah. What would you say to men out there today? I always talk about the authority of a man and the power of a woman. What would you say to men and what would you say to women? Well, my thought when I was going into the whole thing, one thing I thought I would be really good at is being a dad. Because it came from being a youth pastor and, and all that kind of stuff. And I really saw myself connecting with my kids. Yeah. That wasn't going to be as hard as I thought. Well, I missed that completely. And I know a lot of it had to do with the fact that I, I took it for granted. You know, because I'm in the same house with them. We're connected. And, and I would say that if you're not intentional about connecting with your kid... It, and that goes to the point, maybe, I'm not a therapist, so when you get home from work, I, I, I mean, I get the thrill of, of a, a business, of a career, and you're excited about what that might provide for your family. And that's a, there's nothing wrong with that, unless that's what becomes the focus. And, and when you get home from work, put that stuff aside. If it's a little one, get down on the ground with them. Mm-hmm. On that same level, and just just communicate, just play. No, no big agenda, but just where they know I can trust him. Don't take that for granted. I think being a, doing that with small children is easier. It becomes more complicated. 
as they get old. Yeah. And I heard Jordan Peterson, a very famous psychologist, say recently, he said, you know, you only have little kids for four years. After that, it's over. They're growing up. They have their own mindset. They have their own Mm -hmm. thoughts, their own opinions. So those first four years are so crucial. Mm -hmm. But but I think that if you don't do that in those first four years, it's going to make that older child a lot harder to connect with. Absolutely. Distractions are just outrageous yeah. today. Yeah. You're only going to have that certain amount of time that you really can't connect. Okay. And I guess the other thing from my perspective would be, and this is another thing that I did, I assumed that my wife was was handling all the, <laughs> the child duties. That's so stupid on my part. Mm. So I just kind of got off the throne and said, hey, it's all all you, and went on about my, you know, you got you to be intentional about that, about sharing that responsibility. With don't, your spouse. Yeah, don't think it's just going to happen. Yeah. But actually set out to go, hey, this is, I, I want this to happen so many times a week, or I, I want I want that. Support connect. each other. Yeah. Communicate, support each other. Yeah. Well, in talking as a woman, that is so attractive, too, when the man is coming in and also sharing those responsibilities. Like, it is. And, and, and it really is a man's responsibility. I, I mean, you know, God put me on this earth pretty much to be a dad. Yeah. I mean. There's not a whole lot else that's more important, you know. So, to be a father, to be a husband, to be a leader, yeah, to be. And when you miss that, because you had all sorts of good intentions to do all sorts of things, yeah. But what you're called to do, and and to be that support, and you know, for your kids, and to be that support for your wife, and to 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 have an intentional idea of what you want your family to be. That's yeah. That's being a man. It's interesting. You missed a large part of yourself when you abdicate those responsibilities, For sure. and you miss that the the honor of being a husband, the joy of being a dad, mm-hmm. and collaborating and bringing, making that your primary sphere of influence and focus. And when you miss that, you miss the biggest part of really the glory of being a man. Yeah, and sometimes there's just glory in it. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize it till it's you're Too on late. the backside of it, and you, oh, what what just happened? And yeah. life, and there goes a life. Yeah. And, Any closing thoughts? Well, I appreciate what you guys do. I can I can say that, and and what how God has worked in your lives for sure, and for people like me who flounder away in life, and and we I learn all sorts of fun stuff. It would be really fun to learn it before it all happens. So before you have, have a family, yes, you don't have to learn it afterwards. And you sit there and go, "Oh boy, yeah, yeah." So I would, I would say, be intentional in life and in in your family life. Don't take it for granted. Yeah. Don't don't think your kids are going to figure it out. You be a leader. Connect, and yeah, when they get to be teenagers. They might say, you know, you're kind of a pain in the neck. <laughs> but then you might luck out like my son. And I was his best man in his wedding, and he's my best friend. Yeah. So I, be intentional. Have have those plans, just like you do for your Be intentional. Your be alert. Be vigilant. Yes. Right? And I think that goes for my generation, too, though. We also have the responsibility and the capability to reach out to our parents if we feel like... You know, we it, if we feel like that connection is not as strong as we might like it, mm-hmm. you know, time on this earth is limited. We don't know how long we're going to be here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, reach out. Yeah. Um, and I love that you just, I'm so thankful. I should say that you said that, Natalie, because you know I have a stack of about 55, maybe it was more close to 75. Yes. Patients that came in, boom, 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 back to back, yeah. all in one year at the clinic that said, I'm physically not okay I'm getting an autoimmune disease. My skin is breaking out and all this and that. And the culmination of every single one of those conversations with that specific demographic, which was between the ages of 20, I think, to 35 years old, the culmination of every conversation was, this is amazing. Will you help my parents? Yeah. Every Mm -hmm. single one. And these kids, 
I call them kids because I'm quite a bit older, <laughs> but I'll be a kid. This, you can, you'll be a kid. <laughs> but the kids, what was so beautiful and so amazing, the money that was paying for their sessions with me mm-hmm. was from their hard work. It yeah. was their bar money, their vacation money, yeah. their fancy car money. It was amazing. And I have such respect for them. It's a matter of fact, it's to that end that I've done these podcasts and to that end I persevere. So people don't have to come in and see me. They can listen to a variety of topics and discussions of relevant themes that we all need to address or to think about, to discuss, to help each other with. And they can, it can ignite memories of things we discussed perhaps and principles that, you know, I'm big on reasoning from principles and it can be transformative in their life and their life with their friends. And by the grace of God, it's what's happening. Yeah. They invested in themselves and we are investing as well. And we're investing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're paying back. But they were my inspiration. Your generation was my inspiration. So I'm never going to forget that. Great. Chris, thank you so much. My pleasure. I mean, it's, it's just good to see you and good to, good to see you now. Good to see you too. Yeah. Thank you. All right, everyone. So Virginia read these lyrics both in this episode and the last episode, and she has officially asked me to include the song in here. So I'll join back with you as soon as that's done. Oh, shame is a prison as cruel as a grave. Shame
updates about rest and this podcast please visit our instagram or facebook the place of rest if you'd like more information about virginia or to support and join the cause of rest please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate brain state technologies or saraset is a non-invasive neurotechnology that virginia commonly refers her clients to if you would like more information about saraset please call the saraset irvine office at 949 949- Four zero seven nine zero two zero. Or if you're listening from outside our area, please visit saraset.com for a location near you. Thank you for listening to Russell Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.